This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by the Writing Mastery Academy. Founded by Jessica Brody, author of the best-selling plotting guide, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. The Writing Mastery Academy features online, on-demand writing courses, including the official Save the Cat Writes a Novel companion course, novel fast drafting, crafting dynamic characters, and productivity hacks for writers to name just a few, plus monthly live webinars on various writing topics. Go to jessicabrody.com slash hank to learn more and get your first month of unlimited access to all the content for just $6. That's right, just $6. jessicabrody.com slash hank. You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret White. Terry Brooks. Sheena Kamal. Matthew Quick. J.T. Ellison. Walt D. Williams. Brad Ford. Corey Doctorow. Brandon Sanders. Robin Mom. Ernest Klein. Jim Butcher. Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I am very excited to have Peter Robinson back on the show with me. He has an amazing new book. It is the 27th, if you can believe that, the 27th uh, book in the Inspector Banks series, and it's called Not Dark Yet. And, uh, you know, if you've been following along, uh, if you have been reading the book series or maybe, you know, here in the States watching uh, the the television show on Hulu and uh, different places around the world uh, and are a fan of Inspector Banks, this is a must-have. And uh, the, the series just keeps getting better and better, which is which is an accomplishment to say to say the least. Uh, welcome back to the show, Peter. Well, thanks for inviting me. So Peter, um, when we spoke last year, it was it was toward the end of January, if I remember right, and uh, uh, you know there there were some some talk uh, a little bit about this crazy new virus that was going around, and um, I know I wasn't prepared uh, for what then became twenty twenty. Um, what has your year been like? Well, it's. It's been difficult. I mean, the strange thing for me is that I'm used to being at home. Um, you know, like we, m- most writers, we, we spend a good deal of our time at home alone. You know, just just work, just writing. Right. Um, also fortunate in that, of course, I, I didn't lose my job. At least I don't think I've lost it. <laughs> no, nope, um, not not yet. <laughs> and we get paid in such strange ways that you know the the. the I, I didn't have a problem paying my bills or anything. So, you know, all of that was good. But, you know, there, there, there was this sort of overwhelming sense of, of gloom and doom that's made it a little bit difficult to get up with the same kind of enthusiasm every day and jump into the work. So it's it's actually been a bit harder. The, you know, it, it's such a strange thing, Peter, because like you say, most writers do spend most of their time uh, alone, if not at home. Uh, you know, just in a home office with with their computer or notebook or or whatever the medium is, and uh, you know, it's it's not so much of a daily change for them, but there is something uh, about the rest of the world being locked down with you that just doesn't seem natural. It doesn't seem normal, and uh, I, I've 
I've, I've been interested hearing from from creative people about what what the outside world has you know has has started pressing in uh, and and what that has done to their creativity. Well, it's also I mean the fact that you just can't do things, you right. know, even if you don't go to the theater every night, if you want to go and you can't go, then then you feel it. And and travel's been a a big thing for me too. I haven't been able to get back to England since November 2019, uh, and I have a home there. And you know, luckily somebody comes in every week or so and takes care of it. But you know, I worry about it, and I'd like to get back there. So it's just so. Been so uh, where are you now? I'm in Toronto. Toronto. Are are you uh, are you still teaching there? I think you we. Said you were teaching uh, there in, in the past. Is is that still a a thing that's going on? Yeah, I, I I'm not at the moment. I I used to teach the University of Toronto summer school. They had a number of writing courses over the summer, but I haven't done that for a couple of years, just mainly because I've been away at you know the week that the t- the course takes place. So obviously I'm I'm not that reliable. I'm not always there. <laughs> Right. Um, that, that's an interesting thing uh, for for someone who's had such a storied writing career as you. Um, what does the act of teaching, um, what does that give to you? Of course, that there's lots that you can teach other people about. Uh, but but one thing I've noticed is that when you teach something, um, you know, the teacher uh, gets an education as well. What What benefit do you as a writer get from teaching others? Probably more than the students do, to be honest. Yeah, I um, it it, it you know makes me think about things that that I generally just take for granted and don't think much about. And uh, also, it it sends me back to read a whole bunch of books about writing and how to write. And you know, I, I, there are things that I've overlooked, and and there are little things that I've no, I've never thought about. So it's as I say, it's an ed- education for me. Um, with the students. Basically, I, I just try to get them asking questions and thinking about what they're doing. You know, you can't, you, you know, you can teach a few nuts and bolts. You can say, don't do this, think about this. Um, but really, I mean, they're the ones who've got to do it. The Not Dark Yet is the 27th novel in the Inspector Banks series. Uh, did you ever in the beginning think that that this character and this character's world would uh, would have such staying power i never really thought about it to be honest i mean i i, I suppose if i thought about anything I'd, i thought i might have a career like ruth rendell's in that she had a series with wexford and did a lot of standalones so you know that that's what i was intending to do but it didn't work out that way sometimes the standalones turned into banks novels and uh <laughs> you know they, they they just seem to keep coming and, and that's the, that's what the story demanded and i tended to follow the demands of the story you know if it's so if it can only be a short story then you got to realize that fairly soon and not try and make it into a novel and obviously vice versa so when you're writing a standalone, would uh, would Banks just walk on the stage uh, of, of your mind and <laughs> kind of <laughs> commandeer the story? I wish it were as easy as that. No, I mean, I, it's one of those things that, that I might spend close to a year writing a standalone, and, I, and maybe I'll get stuck before then, maybe I'll even finish it, and it just somehow doesn't work. And then I, 
you know, I bung, bung my head against the wall a few times. And I think maybe if I read it as a Banks book, it would work. And, you know, I, I should have realized that from the start, but it can often take me a year's time. And, of course, there's lots to use there. I don't throw it all away and start again, but it needs totally restructuring. It's happened a couple of times. Well, one one obvious benefit of having a a long running uh, character and and uh, and and world that's been established is that the 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 quote unquote world building is is in place and you don't yeah. have to start completely from scratch every time. Does um, is that something that that you think about when thinking about a new series? You know, if I if I have this idea, how will this fit into Banks' world? No, I mean, usually if I have an idea for a Banks book, I I know that. It's if I have an idea that I think might be something else that doesn't work as something else. But I I don't, I mean, I like the idea of having that world to to plug into. The characters are there, although they grow and change and things happen to them. Um, But yeah, it's, it's almost like you know, your movie set is still in place. You can send all the actors in and, and have them start working at it. Uh, whereas with a standalone, you basically have to reinvent the wheel. But I don't mind doing that because it usually involves a lot of research. And, you know, research is good for lazy people. You can sit and read and watch videos, listen to old music and tell tell yourself you're working. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, I, we talked uh, last time, I think, um, that some of your books, when when they come to the states, um, have different titles. And um, I, I think even on your website, in the frequently asked questions section, you address this. And um, you know it, that has to be a little disturbing because I, I think you said that you get titles sort of early on in the process, and and that becomes. Uh, you know, kind of ingrained in the process, the, the title of this book. How, wh- What does a title mean to you? Um, you know, when you're creating, um, is this kind of a banner at the top that, that everything falls under? Um, what what significance does the title hold for you? Yeah, it, it, it does sort of define the book in some ways, even though it might, might not immediately seem to have anything to do with it. You know, it's, it's like the the magnet that that sort of makes that that forms the iron filings into patterns and without it i i feel a little bit lost and uh, you know lost in space and it's it's partly it's very simple i mean i have my files you know i write on the computer and and i have the the folder name and and the files go in that folder if it just says new banks novel I don't feel as excited about it as if it says not dark yet or many rivers to cross or something like that. It just gives me a sense of belonging, a sense of what the whole thing is about. Very strange. It's just an intuitive sort of thing. Um, when you, What's the first thing that comes to you when you start thinking of a new Banks novel? Is it, uh, is it a continuation of a story that may have been uh, a seed that may have been planted books earlier? Uh, is is it uh, sometimes maybe a news article that you read or, or watch uh, that, that kind of starts the what-if game? What's that first kind of kernel of an idea that starts growing and, and then becomes a Banks novel? It's all of those things, really. I mean, you know, the, the, there are enough threads left hanging from 
from previous books that I, I know I can pick them up at some point, as I have done in, in this um, recent book. But also, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always sort of reading in newspapers and whatever and, and looking for little apparently insignificant stories or stories that are inconclusive. You know, it's no good if it's a major case and it's a trial and all that stuff. That, I mean, that interests me, but but not as subject to write about. It has to be something odd, intriguing, that, that is somehow not settled, that is left open. But I usually start a book with, with a very strong sense of place. I mean, simple as a body in a place is, is my, my starting point. Often the starting scene too, but not always. Are you looking for software that helps you bring your novel to life? Novelize is a web-based writing app which allows you to access your work on any device with a browser and an internet connection. Right from your desktop, laptop, tablet, or smartphone. Just get the novel written. Say goodbye to sticky notes. With our notebook on the side, you can keep track of all the important information you need to write your novel. We keep distractions to a minimum, help you track your progress, and encourage you to write more novels. You can even use the same notebook for your novels in a series. Outline, write, or organize your novel by switching between modes. You can write your outline notes while you're writing, and you can move scenes and chapters around anytime in the organize mode. Choose between the dark and light theme to help prevent eye strain so that you can stay immersed in your book. Novelize, the app for writers by writers. Authors. I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. You began writing uh, Banks in the late 80s, is that right, 1987? Yeah, well, the first one was published in 87. I, I wrote it in, I think, 85, but, but actually 
the first one that was published wasn't the first one I wrote. That, that was published second, and I wrote that in about 1983, 84. So, uh, yeah, it was early 80s rather than late 80s. Well, for a character to span uh, four decades uh, now, the 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 technology of his work uh, has obviously evolved from from the 80s until the you know the 2020s now and 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 policing has changed um but what about the genre what what about the the type of book um that that the banks novels are uh, do, do you feel like that the that the genre has changed over that time and and what about reader expectations does has have reader appetites changed along these 27 books i don't know i mean in, in some ways i think perhaps thrillers have become more popular you know in, in the sense of not the agatha christie type whodunits but the, the sense of you know, an, an international plot and someone running out of time or espionage, some, something like that. I, th- I think there are more of those kind of books. I'll, I'll say, you know, characters like Jack Reacher and, 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 and those sort of characters. But on, on the whole, I mean, I read a fair number of books by some younger writers and, and I, they t- seem to have got quite a bit more violent. Um, I, I don't know why that is. It may well be a reflection of the world wherein but there seems to be quite a lot more violence in crime novels. And obviously, I mean, that's reflected in mine to some extent. They're, they are of their time. Well, where do you uh, consider yourself uh, to, to fit uh, on that on that spectrum of thriller uh, and uh, police procedural crime novel? Where do you uh, where do you plant your flag? It, sometimes I, I, I probably mix the genres a bit. I mean, I think maybe Not Dark Yet is, is in a lot of ways more of a thriller than than a whodunit, you know. Right. It's a police procedural, although even that goes by the wayside to some extent in, in it. Um, I'll, I'll take the story where it needs to go. I have the, the basic structure, but I don't feel, you know, shackled to it. I, I can, I've got quite a lot of freedom in that. Um, I I, I asked that that question specifically because Not Dark Yet definitely feels um, like a thriller. There are there are very tense moments in the book, and and it's it's a page turner for sure. And uh, um, n- not that all of them aren't, but uh, you know that it it definitely feels that way to me. Um, there's a there's also the the television show, uh, the the DCI Banks uh, television show that. Uh, we we now get to watch here in the states, and uh, it, it's a fantastic show, and I love it. Uh, but it, it is a bit different than the novels. And uh, one of my friends, Craig Johnson, who writes the uh, the Longmire mystery series novels, you know, we've had this conversation about the television show, and and what a boon the television show has been for Longmire, the character, and, and him as a writer. Um, but that they are different characters in a way that the, the television Longmire is, is a different thing than the book Longmire. Um, what has it been like for you to, uh, to see this creation of yours take on a life and, uh, you know, take on the form that, that someone else envisions him as, uh, and while still maintaining this character that is obviously so close to you. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you go through various stages, probably the same as the stages of loss and grief and anger and <laughs> in the end it's acceptance you know so well you know in a parallel universe maybe um it's funny that i mean I, I was watching one of the later banks ones last night that i actually haven't watched for a long long time and i thought i'd, I'd look at the ones that i didn't write that weren't based on my books and it's so far from you know my original conception of banks his world the people he works with the kind of crimes he deals with obviously it reflects more modern times in which it was made uh, than 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 the older books anyway um and, and it reflects a whole lot of people on the committee who made it you know the the writers the directors the producers it's 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 a whole other world and and, and it, it it does not really match the writer's vision and it's not intended to so you know pretty soon on i realized there's no point complaining about it there's no <laughs> point reading the script and saying hey this isn't right you know and they just nod and say yeah yeah right yeah um so in, in the end it is what it is <laughs> right oh peter not dark yet uh like i mentioned earlier a fantastic book i loved every minute of it um but when this book began, uh, what was the what was the beginning of this book for you? What what was that initial idea that that caught fire? Well, in in some ways, of course, it's connected to the two before it, and it's kind of a loosely a loose trilogy in, in the sense that each book is you know complete in itself with a crime that is solved by Banks and his team. But running through it, there's the story of a woman called Zelda, who's a survivor of um of a of sex trafficking in in europe um and she's now in england and it it, it all came out the idea of her being a super recognizer which is a ability to remember every face you see and to be able to sort of you know remember faces and compare them to ones that you're looking at useful for for catching criminals in some cases and she sees somebody that, that Banks and Annie have been looking for for a while and, and starts to kind of help them with this. And, and that was way back in, in, in Careless Love two books ago. And this one is really the, the culmination of that, that story. So it had its origins elsewhere in, in, in an earlier book. Is that something that uh, you know when you when you're dealing with 27 books uh, over over the the course of a character? Uh, as you look back over them, do do some of them group together like this this loose trilogy of sorts that you mentioned here? Has that happened before, or is that something that you think about in in planning out the future of books? Uh, you know, this is this is an idea that could span across, you know, several, and here's a, a subplot that could drive this book and a subplot that could drive that book. Um, it, do you think in those terms? Well, I don't plan it that way. I don't plan much of anything really, you know, from individual books or the, or the series as a whole. But I mean, it's, it's probably in my mind. I remember something Edmund Bain said, said years ago that all his 87 precinct books, each book was a chapter in one big book. And, you know, there are a lot of those 87 precinct novels. And it's probably the same way in that, you know, each Banks novel is a chapter in the big Banks novel that, that isn't finished yet and may never be finished for all I know. But, uh, you know, so each has its part and each, each does connect with what's gone before and what comes afterwards. And obviously, 
if there are loose threads and I remember, okay, what happened to this character from this book 10 years ago? You know, what if you turned up again in this situation? And it's happened two or three times and uh, I've usually gone along with the idea and it's worked out. The, the character of Zelda, um, I absolutely love, and, and I think she brings uh, a really interesting um, element to the stories because uh, human memory is not something – most people's memory is not as good as they think it is, uh, mm-hmm. especially in, in remembering faces and things like that. Um, it, we're, we're just not really great at at recognizing and uh, and and – differentiating people and things and uh having a character who can do that um must be uh a great tool for for the writer um do, at, over the the course of the series uh have there been characters like that that you have invented to to help solve a problem or like what's it what is your process for introducing new characters and and what do they need to bring to the table for you well, they need to be interesting. You know, it could be somebody like like Jenny, who's the the psychologist who helps Banks in a number of cases, uh, early in the early books, and then she came back again more recently. Um, but you know, I mean, w- w- one of the good things about having the series is is the flexibility within the structure of of the procedural that in the his team can keep changing, and over the years, you know, people have come and gone. Uh, Banks is still there, Annie's been there for quite a long time. But if someone doesn't work out, well, I usually kill them off, you know. Um, <laughs> or or they leave, or they just disappear, and I bring someone else in. And that's happened w- with a couple of the sidekicks who haven't actually brought much to the table, as, as, as they say. Um, whereas somebody like Jerry, who's a relatively new character, I find interesting, and, and she develops a little book by book. So she's still there, you know. She's still in with a chance of surviving for a while. Um, but but characters come and go, and you know, if, if they're not interesting enough, not different enough, not useful enough after a couple of books, there's no point keeping them around. In not in not dark yet, um, we we get to explore. Um, something that that never would have been a plot point or an issue in in uh you know when the when the series began and that's the idea of surveillance culture and uh you know we uh, i'll let you uh, kind of tell what you um what you want to tease out for the the people that are going to buy the book um but there's uh something happens and uh we have these security cameras that have been set up and they capture something that was not meant to be captured. Uh, what what brought about this idea? Well, yeah, that that, that, that was quite early on. That that's the you know I suppose the the main mystery plot of the book that that does get solved in in the book outside of Zelda's story. It, it's we we are very much a surveillance culture, and and w- one of the things you you mentioned, you know, it's I started in the eighties. It's a totally different world now, and and the technology is one of the things that makes crime writing, I, for me, a, a bit of a pain in the neck uh, these days. <laughs> yeah. I know some some people really go with it, and, and some writers are terrific with the forensics. They keep up with all the science and that. I was never much good at science, which is why I went into English literature. Uh, so it, it's a little harder for me. And, and 
you know, the we have CCTV, computers, DNA analysis. Mobile phones are a complete pain because you used to be able to lose characters and you couldn't get in touch right. with Nowadays, you can't, you know, well, in Yorkshire, you can because you can always say there was no signal. You know, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I, I, I do that quite a lot. But, you know, you, you just and the point is that you have to mention them. You know, if somebody leaves a crime scene, the odds are there are going to be cameras around and you can't just not mention it. So unless someone at some point says, did you check CCTV? And somebody says, oh, there isn't any or it's broken or whatever. Um readers are going to say, hey, why didn't they check CCTV? So that that does become an issue in this book and, and uh, in a slightly different context in, in, in that somebody is recording things they shouldn't be recording. Uh, but again, you know, it's technology, so it doesn't always work the way it should. Well, and and to that point, there are a number of writers who are now choosing to write thrillers set in the past set in the 50s or 60s or 70s where the technology doesn't become an issue and you can you can tell an old fashioned uh you know mystery tale where where you don't have all of these things to contend with um what do you do to keep up with the technology because you know one thing that that a banks novel does is it it puts us right in the present and you do have to deal with all of these um with all of these issues and and new technologies and you know what one reason that we read crime novels and or thrillers or, or whatever is because we're it, it's sort of a puzzle where we want to as the reader to try to work out the puzzle along with you who's teasing out the puzzle pieces with us and uh you know the, the technology is just one more uh, one more hurdle to have to go over, you know, in solving the puzzle. Um, so as a writer, how do you stay abreast of all of these things that uh, because if you say that you're telling a modern story, the reader is going to be looking for these things like you mentioned. Um, so how do you stay ahead of them in in uh, building puzzles for people for people? Well, I'm more, I'm more interested in the effects of technology, the, the psychology of the technology and its use rather than, you know, the actual things. I try and keep up with that. I mean, you know, I've, I've talked to people about DNA. I've read about it. I have a basic idea how it works. Um, I, I also use gadgets. I mean, I work on a computer. I, I have a, a mobile phone and a smartwatch that tells me to stand up every now and then. <laughs> um, you know, so, so, so I'm not unaware of these things. I, I'm just not uh, a slave to them. And, you know, I, I don't go on Twitter or Facebook, for example. I'm, I'm not interested in the, the anti-social media that much. But on the other hand, you know, I, I do listen to podcasts and uh, I do have music streaming and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you can't completely escape it. And I don't try to. But I think in the books, the, the, the most important thing really is to accept that it's there, that it may be of use and, and you know, not to lose sight of it, not to forget it. For me, other writers will go into it in great depth and detail, but I try to keep the detail to a minimum. Just, you know, write about what you get from it. So someone comes in and says, oh, we've got the DNA results. They don't need to tell you how they did that, just whether it is this person or it isn't. It, it really is the challenge of, of being in the world, but not of it. <laughs> As yeah. I think, as I think Jesus um, told us, to. and you know, I think Banks reflects that quite well. He's he's yeah. towards it all. 
Well, Not Dark Yet is available everywhere. When when people are hearing this, uh, they can grab it in, in hardcover or Kindle edition or audiobook. Um, and, and what a fantastic addition to to this great ongoing story that uh, that we love so much. Uh, what are you turning your sights toward now, Peter? I know that uh, you know if if Banks number twenty seven is out now, that means it's been off of your desk for for quite a while now. Uh, what are you What are you working on for for next year? Hopefully. Yeah, but my plan was um, to to take a year off after the Banks book came out. It was supposed to come out last September, um, but all those plans got 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 scuppered. So. Um, and then taking a year off didn't mean I wouldn't write. It just meant I would take two years to write the next book instead of one. So I'm I'm working slowly. I've got a couple of ideas, and I'm still not quite sure where to go yet. One's a Banks, and the other's another standalone. So I'm, I'm just trying to do a bit of reading around to see which one to go with. I'll probably do them both eventually, but it's, it's a matter of which one to do first. And I, I just have to wait for maybe you know some vision of the opening scene to settle it for me and then then i'll know well if, if you do choose the standalone it'll be equally interesting to see if bank uh, if banks uh, sort of strong arms his way into that story <laughs> <laughs> yeah it could happen <laughs> it could well not dark yet available everywhere now there's links to it in the show notes of this episode uh peter thank you so much for taking time to come back on the show with me today well thanks for inviting me hank Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no further than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing or proofreading Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started. Dream Author by Sophie Hanna is an immersive 14-month coaching program for writers at any and every level of experience and also for those of you who want to write and are just waiting for the right encouragement and guidance to get you started. Your writing dreams should make you happy. For so many of us, our dreams are not a source of happiness. Instead, they cause us stress, guilt, frustration, and even shame. Here's the great news. All of these feelings are natural and all writers experience them. The problem, though, is that when your writing dreams bring you more anxiety than joy, it affects your resolve and your productivity, and you end up not taking the action you need to take in order to propel your dreams in the right direction so that they can stand a strong chance of coming true. That's why Sophie created the Dream Author Coaching Program to teach anyone who is passionate about writing how to change the way they build, think about, and pursue their writing dreams in order to become their own most powerful ally and advocate for the rest of their writing life. And more great news. Once you've learned that skill, it lasts forever. Visit dreamauthorcoaching.com to get started today. The Bad Company Complete Series Omnibus, Books 1 through 7. Humanity's Greatest Export, Justice. Space is a dangerous place, even for the wary, especially for the unprepared. The aliens have no idea. Here comes The Bad Company. The Bad Company, Book 1, Colonel Terry Henry Walton. 
takes his warriors into battle for a price in this first installment of The Bad Company. He believes in the moral high ground and is happy to get paid for his role in securing it. Set in the Cutharian Gambit universe, Terry, Char, and their people-humans, werewolves, were-tigers, and vampires form the core of the Bad Company's direct action branch, a private conflict solution enterprise. Join them as they fight their way across Tissakinan 4, where none of the warring parties were what they expected. The seven-book series Omnibus includes The Bad Company, Blockade, Price of Freedom, Liberation, Destroyer, Discovery, Overwhelming Force. Grab the complete Bad Company series by Craig Martell now. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Anderley. Virtutus Gloria Mercies. Translation? Glory is the reward of valor. Fed up with playing the normal game, recent university graduate, ex-cum-laude, ex-soccer star, ex-popular and mostly broke Cara Madonna changes her life when she decides to research how to be a witch and believes it. Cara didn't want to go back east and deal with her overbearing mom, so when university was done, she stayed behind in Los Angeles. Little did she realize how controlling moms can be from the other side of the country. Feeling a little desperate to make her own way, she buys a few books on business and one on a lark, How to Be a Badass Witch. That's when the trouble started. Find out just what trouble a young woman can get into when the magic just might be real. How to Be a Badass Witch by Michael Andrews.